The XY Advisor podcast is intended for professional financial advisors. This content is created in partnership with our sponsor, Net Wealth Investments Limited, ABN 85090 569 109 AFSL 230 975 and is limited to publicly available information. Before acting on any general advice, you should consider whether appropriate and obtain financial advice from a qualified financial advisor. XY Advisor does not hold an AFS license and does not provide any financial advice or services or endorse any general advice. If a PDS or IM exists, you should obtain a copy and review it thoroughly before making a decision. Advice Tech as if it wasn't enough to be across TMD's Alpha Beta, Rule of 72, and all the other nuances of financial advice. Now, advisors are expected to be across all the technology options too, and there's so many of them. But never fear, Peter D is here. Join me each week on a journey of discovery through the software and apps on offer for advisors and advice businesses. So let's dive in, fellow advice explorers. This episode is proudly brought to you by NetWealth. For over 21 years, NetWealth has provided market-leading technology, excellent customer support, and expertise to help wealth businesses thrive. As the financial advice landscape changes, it's important to embrace new technology to enhance the way you run your business. With change comes your chance to use advanced technology, reshape your client experience, and see wealth differently. Visit the website to learn how NetWealth can support your advice and wealth business. Hello and welcome to the XY Advice Tech Podcast. I'm Peter Diamantidis and joining me here today to deep dive into the Plutosoft software is an ex-Clayton Utes lawyer, a financial planner, a fellow NASA nerd and a software development survivor, would you believe? Thank you so much for joining me on the show, Vincent Holland. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thanks, Peter. It's great to be with you to talk about advice tech, which is a subject I'm very passionate about. Well, it sounds like it. Um, <laughs> given you you uh, actually went out there and and started your own, which I'm really keen to dive into. But to just sort of you know learn a bit more about you and even you as a user of tech, as opposed to just a provider of it. What's your most used emoji? Do you reckon? Do you use emojis? Uh, I use them somewhat sparingly. Okay. Is there one in particular that you use a lot? Uh, I, the one with the smiley face. So the straight up smiley face. You're a fan the straight of straight up Fair smiley enough. face. Fair enough. I'm happy most of the time. <laughs> well, there you go. What more could you want? I love it. And how about, well, we all live in our smartphones, don't we? I mean, far out. How do, how do we survive without them? If you had to get rid of all the apps on your smartphone and we're just left with three, what would, what were the ones you'd keep? Definitely the XY Advisor one would be top on the list. Oh, nice. I love it. I don't know. Do we need to hear the other two? That sounds like the winner. Oh, fantastic. Oh, folks, looks like you're going to have to go and get the app, uh, the XY app and put it on the phone because that's the one to have on your smartphone. Thank you for sharing. Uh, well, with that in mind, let's dive into Plutosoft, shall we? Great name. I love the name of the software. And I'm sort of just going to approach this as a uh, fishing exercise for me. You know, we haven't, I have an advice practice. I am a financial advisor. So really, really keen to understand more about the tool. So for some context, where does Plutosoft sit in the advice tech space? You know, what's its sort of category that it sort of slots into? Yeah, Peter, so it would be, it's an end to end solution. So it covers the full advice process beginning 
to end, everything from capturing data about the clients, your your strategy modeling, the, the data integrations with, with investment platforms, and then of course the advice production client portal. So very much sits within within the technology world as a as a true end to end solution, if if I can put that as a category. Okay, so that sort of core does does most <laughs> would be the category. That's correct. That the core um the key a principle with our system is that you don't want to enter data twice. So if you can run the core advice process on one system, that's going to help drive a lot of a lot of efficiency. So that core advice process, your SOA, ROA, review, FDS production, all of that is done in PlutoSoft. Okay. And I'm betting so that sort of approach and only wanting to enter the data once could be part of what what sort of drove you to develop the software? Is that fair? Is it? It's one of those things you just went. Mm, we need to get this resolved. We're gonna. We're gonna build our own. Yeah, but well, well, many of your audience may be familiar with the uh, with the PlutoSoft story. So it's it's an organic grassroots story. PlutoSoft was originally built in an advice practice in in our advice practice. Uh, in fact, it was my mum who built the initial prototype of the system. Uh, she's a smart lady. Uh, CFP and a software developer. So she came from a software engineering background wow. before she came into advice. Far out. So, so a very interesting uh, and unique skill set. Mm. The advantage was we, we had that capability in the business and the, the number one pain point we wanted to solve in building the system was to cut down the time involved in producing advice. In, in our practice, in our experience, it was just taking too long to get the advice out of the door. That, that's new clients and particularly ongoing clients as well, the review documentation, you know, hours and hours spent trying to, to get advice delivered. And so that's something we really wanted to solve. We, we looked far and wide in the market. It, it would have been amazing if there was a solution out there that, that could have solved that pain point. Um, in our view, we couldn't find one. Um, so we went down the path of, of custom building it from scratch. So um, we now run as a standalone software company. We, we, we service firms all around Australia. We've got a scaled up development team, but that's, you know, that's, that's originally how, how the software started and came to be. Okay, fantastic. And so therefore, the as opposed to a primary user being an individual role, it sounds like the primary user is a practice. You know, as a whole, it's sort of not that sort of thing you have one person using. It's it's designed to be used across the practice. Is that is that correct? Th- that's correct. So, so it's a it's a piece of software. Everyone in the firm ideally would be, would be using advisors, client services managers, support team members. Um, everyone. The whole idea is to have everyone in the practice working on one one system. Okay, and so. In in terms of then, um, I'm imagining then that you're probably over time needed to add in a sort of licensee angle as well. Is that something that you've had to to sort of factor into the tool? Yes, indeed. So that was something we brought out in more so in recent times, mm-hmm. a licensee portal, which which does in a dealer group context give a dealer group central visibility, the the ability to to um, clone templates across different practice groups, configure settings. So it does have that dealer group uh, management. Yep. Originally, the software was built first and foremost for advisory firms, so for advisors on the ground. That, that's, you know, that was our bread and butter. That was the problem we wanted to solve. And then as we've, as we've grown, as we've expanded, 
we've then brought out that capability as well. Okay, and I think that's um, coming from the you sort of practice first and then licensee. I think what I like about that is is um, it's not pushing down as much as delivering up. So it's <laughs> it's sort of core at the you know the advisor and their relationship with the client, um, and then if there's you know some either consistency required, whether that's documentation or even data required to be fed up, then that's great. Whereas I think it can be a challenge, can't it, with systems when, well, we have these licensee requirements, but actually it doesn't deliver anything to the advisor from those requirements, you know, so that can be a bit of a conflict in terms of, um, you know, features and and elements that get rolled in, rolled out in some of these systems. And I guess you've probably, um, over time as you deal with different dealer groups, you've probably had to adjust, I'm, I'm betting. Uh, based on what they need or what they're willing to have roll out to practices? Has that been the case? Yeah, yeah that's correct. And, and look, doing doing software development, we've been doing this for quite a long time now. Mm-hmm. You're always having to expand and adapt your product to suit the industry. So many things change. We're in a very Oof. dynamic environment. You know, compliance changes, FDS requirements change, uh, you know, all your uh, Centrelink parameters changed. You know, there's there's so much that changes. So you have to keep your um, you have to keep enhancing and, and improving your your product. Yeah, I'm with you, and it's going to be perpetual, right? I mean, I don't think the change is going to stop. I just think it's going to move in different directions. You're absolutely correct. This is not the sort of area where you can build it and then sit still. It's it's an area where you're constantly having to evolve. And I think you're absolutely correct. That that will that will continue to be that way. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, so let's think about um, the practices you have been. Oh, clearly, you guys would have used it for your own business, and that's sort of where your start came from. But you've now rolled it out to um, a number of um, quite a large number of practices. Then across that. What type of practice or advice, I guess, does it work really well from for? You know, who does it hum for? And are there any types where you're like, whoa, they really struggle to uh, either implement the tool or take a full advantage of it? Yeah, that, that's a really good question. So our our software works for a number of different types of firms, different size firms, um, firms with different client demographics, whether that's focusing more on retirement planning or, or wealth accumulation. Or, or clients who look after uh, or f- firms who service clients with more complex affairs, trusts, company structures. So it is quite varied in terms of who our advice, uh, who our system is is catered for. It will cater for a wide range of firms. The, the, the key is um, for the firm wanting to embrace and implement the software well. I think if the, so, it's more of a mindset thing. Yeah. If if a firm um, has the right mindset wants to embrace it, that that comes from the top and it's driven through the through the firm because there's change management involved when, when you're implementing a new system. <laughs> um, I think that is the key thing, having having the right mindset. We've got a very good uh, onboarding process, which, you know, we've we've been doing this for, for a while, so we've we've rolled out a really good on onboarding process. But I think it's really having firms who have the mindset to want to do things differently, wanting wanting to improve. And are there any um, blockages you see that people, to that point, need to break through? Like, is there things? Maybe it's expectations, or it's, or it's limiting beliefs that you find they've just got to cut through to be able to shift into that sort of more innovative or embracive uh, mindset. Yeah, look, I think when when you're working in a firm environment, you know, generally the, the, the you know a team is varied. That they're all they're, everyone's an individual, so everyone's got a different um, a different role, um, a different 
function within within the business. And it's really about how can we bring everyone on board to to embrace um, the change. You know, you're implementing a new system, so it's, if you're coming from another system, it's going to be different to that other system you're coming from. But that's you know that's why you're changing systems because it's going to be different. It's not yeah. it was going to be exactly the same. You wouldn't be changing. <laughs> yeah. So um, I think change management is something we've put a lot of emphasis into is really having an onboarding process that can fast track that change and and can really get everyone on board within the practice. But there's no doubt that if the, if there's the right leadership wanting to drive it to, to make it happen, that, that that makes for a successful implementation. Yeah, and I think that's a um that's some really important insight there because I think in our industry it's very easy to look for a magic wand. You know, and we're like, oh, can I just wave this thing over my business and it'll instantly be fixed? And of course, um, you could build the Ferrari of financial advice software. And if we don't implement it well and lead that change in the business, it's never going to deliver the value that it or its potential. You know, so, so no amount of genius by a, a systems developer, um, can ever, you know, sort of compete with resistance internally or a lack of direction or training or even leadership in terms of the, the, maybe it's the practice manager or the owner sort of stepping into and owning their own challenges with change management, right? Our own inability to adjust the way we do things, our own sticking to the old way. So I have to admit, we've learned that the hard way a few times. Um, and so really, uh, it's great to hear that from a group that, that you sort of understand that, that it's the sort of human factor that's actually the hard part sometimes with advice tech as opposed to the tech itself. Um, we humans get in the way all the time, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> For the practices considering a tool um, like PlutoSoft, then what's something? What are some things they should be doing even before moving? You know, what what's some stuff they could do within the practice or individually that that would really set themselves up for success in that sense? I think the key there is to start the process early. So, so when when we're talking to a practice to win in the early stages of evaluating their technology options, generally what we do is we do a presentation and take them through the software so they can see exactly what it looks like. We also run a trial of the software so firms have that opportunity to to really get a feel for how the how the software works, um, how that might fit within their firm. So we go through a process of um, of just guiding a, a firm through that whole journey. Yep. So I think the sooner you start that process, it, it really helps to um, it helps you just to understand what else is out there, yeah. what, what the capability is, and then you can time that around your business needs. So, you know, having gone through that, yep, this is great, you know, when from a business perspective is the best time to do it. But I think if you do allow yourself plenty of time, you can um, – you can really set yourself up for for success. And timing's interesting, isn't it? I've um, it's so easy to accidentally make these decisions just before I don't know end of financial year, and then realise you've got everybody trying to learn a new system and adjust it for a massive workload. So even timing it in terms of the peaks and troughs of efforts within the practice is important. Um, because sure, a new system should all do all of that maybe more effectively or efficiently, but that's going to take time for people to learn that. So it's probably going to get a bit clunky before it gets better um, as people sort of learn the new way and even as just you transition um, through, you know, templates and workflows and all sorts of other things. So being conscious of 
the rollout schedule um, and, and what uh, little hurdles, you, you know, the practice itself might deliver in that is probably really worth considering uh, when we're doing And because this is a major project. This is not a plug and play app we're talking about here. This is a significant, um, you know, player in your practice. It's almost like a, a new hire, this type of software. You know, it's a core. Um, so it's really worth thinking about timing and how you're going to roll that out. Now, I was excited as I did some digging before we chatted today that uh, there is a whole lot of focus for you, for you guys on client engagement. And and I understand there's some client portal work you've done. Do you want to talk me through what that looks like? Yeah. So, the client portal we see as a, as a key part of the efficiency solution going forward. Mm-hmm. So, we've got, um, we call it our, our client hub portal. So, that so the advisor controls that portal, but they uh, decide which clients get access to to the portal. Yep. Um, so that's controlled by the advisor. And then what it does is it gives you that really nice front end so the client can interact with the information on the portal. They can have their well snapshot, their, their modelling. You can publish really nice digital modelling scenarios onto the portal, their, their portfolio data. So it becomes their documents. So it becomes a real hub for the client in terms of that front end. So it just gives you, as a firm, that really polished look. Mm -hmm. Um, It's got all their branding on it. Um, And then probably for me the most valuable part of the portal is it allows you to automate the whole data capture before a meeting, whether that's a new client, so seeing a client for the very first time, or your review clients actually having your clients update that information on the portal before they come into the meeting. It's it's client-friendly, so it's easy for them to do that. And what that means is that updates your data in the system automatically. So you come to that meeting prepared. You're not going to waste your time, you know, re-going through everything at a meeting, having a meeting to then have another meeting. You know, it just cuts that down so you can spend your time, use it wisely and focus on the things that add the most value for, for the client. Fantastic. And so is it intended that then also the client, say, would message via the portal? Like, has it gone that far where it's it's the channel to really ask questions or give feedback or anything like that? Is that the intention? In ours, it's, it, there is an option to make workflow available to the client. So through our workflow system, you can configure it so that a client can initiate a workflow. Because we know, you know, clients are busy, busy people, yes. you know, they have full-time jobs. They might not get to attend to that sort of thing during the workday, so they might want to log in outside of hours. Maybe it's just a meeting they want to request with their advisor. Maybe they want to um, log a request to draw money from their pension account. So you can actually configure different workflow steps on the portal and the client can initiate it and then monitor the progress on that that step. So that's sort of the angle we've, we've come from. With the with the with the portal, fantastic. I mean, certainly something we've come to realise. And you mentioned that the initial driver was that um, time slash cost to produce advice was sort of where you guys started, and you just really wanted to work on that. And I have, which I agree with. But what I'm starting to see, it's sort of been the last couple of years, I guess, but primarily twelve months, is the cost of admin is starting to ratchet up, you know, and that's that's starting to almost outweigh the cost of advice. And so things that can help um, streamline the follow-ups to the client or the, you know, their requests, like that sort of stuff, what we're finding is sucking up a lot of the admin team members' time. And and so, you know, I think over time, the way we utilize these portals will make a massive difference um, to how clunky 
our back office is as opposed to the, you know, advice and power planning and, and analysis, the other stuff too, which probably doesn't get the attention it should historically. I think we're probably all going to start focusing on that as well. So we don't all need, you know, 20 support staff to every advisor uh, going forward because it's it's pretty horribilis with the layers of legislation um, and all of the paperwork, you know, it can get, it can get super clunky. So I'll be interested to see where you take the portal in that sense. Yeah, and, and look, advice, rightly or wrongly, is a very compliance-driven industry, so you're constantly battling against costs to service clients, you know, the time it takes to reduce produce advice. Yeah. So you really want your technology to be saving you a huge amount of time on all of those aspects. If you can do that, then you can build a scalable, profitable firm, but without the right structure, without the right processes, it, it can be a very difficult business to to run, and, and I think firms who are successful have that have that structure. And then when you've got the structure, you know, then you can get the most out of your system. So you know that they're, they're they're inextricably linked: the structure, the systems, and the technology. Technology is one part of it. Yeah. Um, but as you said before, you know, you could have a, a Rolls Royce technology system. Yeah. Um, but. You know, it's of no use to you unless you actually drive it and, and use it to its uh, potential. Yeah, absolutely. Now, tell me more, though. You were mentioning that there's some modeling that you can push through to the portal. Um, is that sort of like it's, a, hey, here's the outcome. You can see it or is there a dynamic element to that? How does that work exactly? Yeah, so we, we believe very strongly in, in modeling, being able to showcase different scenarios, different options for clients, interactive charts. In my own experience, uh, advising clients, I always found that to be so helpful mm-hmm. for clients because there's a lot of jargon they have to get their head across, mm-hmm. you know, investment markets, diversification, you know, whether the RBA is going to raise interest rates five basis points or 20 basis points. There's a lot that, that clients are confronted with, whereas if you can show them in a really nice model that they're going to be on track, that they're going to be okay, that they've got different options, different trade-offs, I think that makes it very clear and visual for the client. And that was an idea. So our modeling tool we, we built to be a, a presentation tool you could bring into client meetings and be able to showcase that to them, whether that's on a Zoom call or, or, or in the office. But then we thought, well, wouldn't it then also be nice to have that available on the client portal so the client can log in at their own time and, and have a look at the, the portal, have a look at the model. Now, they can't change the model. They can interact with it. It's, it's got that dynamic aspect to it. But if, if, if they want to change anything in it, then the idea is that's something you might bring into your review process so that that becomes a discussion. They need to do that with their advisor as part of their review. Perfect. Perfect. And, um, and now I, I don't believe these things exist yet, but something that I've always been curious about or, or thought could be beneficial is often the modeling, like we do it in a point in time and we look forward and it's the, hey, good, bad, or or indifferent sort of outcome, you know, that really is thumb up, thumbs down, you know. So, um, but one of the things that I think can be interesting over time is once you've initially done that for a client is, is almost over time being able to check in on where they're progressing against that intention. You know, how, how are you tracking um, and how are things working so that they can get some context? Uh, because often, uh, for example, and we've all been experiencing some interesting markets and, you know, the natural clients, you know, the fear is in the press and the markets are doing their thing. <gasps> 
you know, but then a given context, like, oh, wait a minute, I'm still ahead of where I thought I would be, you know. So, so that sort of context is important, but time series of data isn't easy. And I know it's a challenge in, in systems to sort of have that almost hard line of the future and then have the reality measure against it. Is that something you guys have ever looked at or considered? Yeah, well, that's a key part of what our pool and our modeling system does. So, you know, traditionally the model was something you did when a client first engaged with you, mm. something that was relegated to the back of the SOA and looked a bit like a like a spreadsheet that the client might not actually read. Um, whereas we thought, well, hey, there's a lot of there's a lot of value in this for the client. Let's try and make it uh, more visual and something that you don't just do as a once-off. That's something that you you regularly come back to. That it's something as part of your review process. You can actually incorporate that into the process. Look at the original model that you set for the client. Um, you can actually lock that in our system. You can then, with the data being updated from the portal, you can then have that updated automatically in the system at review time and then run a new model or overlay different models to see where the client's at because I think it's all about context. You know, mm. if the market's fallen 15%. Well, that sounds that sounds dismal, but, you know, if you actually put it into a bigger context, well, you know, you're still projected to have a, you know, you know it's, you're not going to run out of money. We are unlikely to run out of money. Then it, it helps reassure the client. Absolutely. And, you know, well, what happened in the prior years? You know, were you so far ahead from the prior years that this is almost a little bit of a correction and they'll see that themselves? You know, they'll be able to provide that context without us having to give it to them. They can just, oh, I see. <laughs> that makes sense. We're vaguely near the line we were hoping to be near. That's exciting because it's not something, like you say, we do and we do all this hard work we give some pathway, you know, and of course it can't be locked in. I get that. You know, we can't just say it's ex- going to be exactly this, but that can give people a direction, some guardrails, and to be able to then measure how they're going against the guardrails is exciting, to be honest. It's, um, I think, a really, really valuable, uh, probably more valuable than a whole lot of the other things we might do at Review is helping them get a sense of where they're at against what they hoped they would be. And, and you know, clients live dynamic lives. The situation yes. is, is not static. They change employment. They have new dependents, new new grandchildren. Um, markets, cha- you know, there's so many things that change, and that's you know that's the value an advisor brings is that ongoing relationship, holding clients accountable, being able to easily re-simulate different scenarios, and, and to show the client, you know, what are the options, what are the, what are the trade-offs. Yeah, perfect. Um, so let's talk integration. So I mean, you've the tool does a lot. So, so in terms of needing to integrate, um, what are, what if any? What are the things you the PlutoSoft actually integrates with other tools? So, we um, a key part of our development roadmap is to constantly expand the the applications we integrate with. So we've that's always been a key uh, philosophy mm-hmm. is, is to make life easier, not not harder for for advisors. Um, a key one, and, and it's really focusing on the ones that are most crucial for, for advisors. So <laughs> the one that comes to mind is investment platforms. <laughs> yeah. You know, having, having good data feeds with, with the investment platforms so that, you know, come review time, you don't have to enter data in again. You've got all the data connected up to date, all the transactions, all of that flowing automatically into the planning software. So that's a big job to get, you know, platforms integrated and into the system. So that's, been a key thing we wanted to build out. So we we integrate with, you know, we've built out a lot of integrations with different um, investment platforms, whether that's NetWealth, um, 
Hub 24, you know, um, a whole range of different different platforms there. So that that's sort of your bread and butter. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got other things there like your, your Outlook, which are day-to-day tools that advisors are, are using all the time, you know, research tools. So, yes, I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a whole bunch of stuff we integrate with and, and continue to expand on that footprint. Perfect. Um, and is, is there anything that um, you're seeing practices in the way they use the tool or the way they've implemented it that just really blows your socks off? Like have you had any surprises and I mean, you know, wonderful surprises of what they've done or the way they've rolled it out or what they've done with clients when they've taken on uh, Politosoft into the practice? Yeah, I think the most pleasing thing for us is when a, when a practice implements the software well and you, and you come back to them after they've had it implemented in their practice for a period of time and when they just talk to you about the results that they've got, mm-hmm. the efficiency benefits. Um, you know, advice efficiency is, is such a headache for firms. So to be able to help firms solve that problem, you know, it makes an enormous difference to their practice and that, you know, that, that's really what motivates us is to actually know that you're making a difference, that you're making advice practices, you're making their lives easier, more profitable. Um, it, it's... Um, you know, we really get a kick out of that. Cool. And what about there must be some features though or, or a particular feature that that you're just surprised people don't take up more that you think has real value. Is there any one of those that, that is a bit quiet, you know, and people sort of don't get there and you're just like, oh, you should be checking out this. It's fabulous. You know, why haven't you rolled that out yet? Yeah, it's, it, it's tricky because our system does have a lot of functionality. There are a lot of different things that it does and then every firm will have a slightly different pain point or a variation of a pain point. So they might cling to certain functionality more than others. Um, some firms, our workflow system is there, you know, that's the key thing they, they cling to when they first onboard. Other firms, it's more the modeling and the advice production. And then, and then, you know, a year later you have a chat and, you know, you say, well, you know, have you, have you thought of workflow? And it's, yeah, you know, I want to get to that, but we just, just haven't got to it yet. Yeah. And it's also having the time to, to do these things. So, it can vary practice by practice. Since we released the new client portal, I think that's that's a key thing that we're encouraging firms to get onto. Yep. Is um, is the client portal how much efficiency that can that can save? Again, you know, as you know, running a practice, one of the hardest things of running a practice is on top of all the day to day stuff you have to get to, all the client demands, everything you have to do, to then you know actually take time out to work on the business, to work on your systems and processes. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, that's always that's always the challenge is, is making time to to invest. Yeah, it is. It's um and it <laughs> what we find, so I mean we've been at the whole tech game for quite some time, probably longer than most. Um and you know it's a bit of a I think clearly something that I'm interested in. And the challenge, uh, just as a heads up for listeners, when you actually lean into this type of thing is you'll start to get to the point where you can't keep up with your team's interest and you can't keep up with their suggestions on improving processes. And, you know, like like it, it'll be hard initially. So that change management we were talking about, that'll be hard. And then I spend half my time just trying to keep up with the ideas my team have, you know. So it's one or the other, you know. It's never, hey, we're good. Let's leave it alone for six months. Nope. Nope, it's always iterating and tweaking and improving. So I guess that's a good thing, though. I think that's probably, if I was to say anything about the industry historically, is we probably weren't on that sort of constant state of adjustment early enough. You know, we probably weren't revisiting how we do things and just constantly improving. Whereas I think now, you know, if you don't view your practice that way, it's going to be hard to keep up, isn't it? 
Yeah, and I think the interesting thing about the industry is that it's changed so much in such a short space of time. You know, if I look only a few years ago, the, the banks controlled most of the most of the industry. So yeah, it, it was very much an institutionally focused industry, and that's all changed now. You've had the Royal Commission, so so they so banks have left. You've seen changing education standards. You're seeing advisor numbers drop. So there's there's so much change that's that's happening in the in in the industry, and I think that is actually in some ways it is an exciting time. And I know it's not without its challenges, but I think you know there's much more innovation, there's much more choice that advisors have now than they didn't previously have. So I think as an advisor, you know there's no shortage of demand for high quality advice. So I think if you structure your firm well, um, you know there's there's plenty of opportunity into the future. Yeah, no, you. I mean, you're absolutely right when I think about. Um where the dollars get spent or where let's call it the development gets spent um, when you think back with with where the advisors were and therefore who was directing those development dollars you're right when they're you know predominantly large institutions then the systems that get worked on are the ones that suit the large institutions you know so which is natural that's that's not a judgment call that's just natural um, but clearly what's been happening and it's at the you can see it because of the rapid rate of lots of little solutions for specific things that have come up recently too that never used to happen happen. And part of the reason was because a large institution won't take up something that's just a, you know, a core piece for one thing. Uh, so you can see that the rapid rate of new concepts, um, even even tools like Plutosoft, that would have been much harder even prior to when you guys started doing it, you know, because the, sp- the gap just wasn't there um, beyond the institution. So I think you're right. It's, it's exciting because it means there's more potential for us to choose something that's really going to suit us you know, our business and our clients. Um, that's exciting, you know, to really personalize it. That's when the experience can really, really ratchet it up. Um, now, talk to me about development going forward. What's on the radar for PlutoSoft into the future? Well, we, we discussed before how you can never sit still because everything <laughs> yep. constantly changes. So our, our roadmap is really excited. So it's exciting. So we've got big ticket items that we're we're focusing on, and then you've got your your incremental improvements that you're constantly um, making. So we've got some really exciting things planned on what we call bulk automation, and that's just being able to do um, reporting on a bulk basis. So you you know it might be you want to make changes to a client's portfolio that 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 is common across multiple client groups within the practice, mm-hmm. you know, just being able to click a button and have that whole process automated, automatically available on the client portal to view, to consent to at the click of a button. That level of automation is really what we're, our team's working on a big project on, on that at the moment, things like your portfolio performance reporting. With, you know, we get a lot of data into our system yeah. and, and just being able to make that automated and available on a bulk basis, I think will be very valuable for for firms. So that's the bulk automation. Then there's some exciting things we've got planned on, on open banking with, with new open banking changes that have come in. And as that finds its feet, we, we've um, there's some things we've got planned on open banking, having live banking and loan balances and that sort of thing available via the, the open banking Framework. So those are probably the two big projects that we're working on at the moment. In addition to to everything else, where we're keeping on top of. Well, that's uh, you know the bulk automation, and even just thinking in that perspective. One thing I'd say is, um, 
to the listener is, is as these things start coming out, um, invariably what you're going to realize, and, and we've realized this in the past is, is perhaps the data or your data fields aren't quite up to scratch. They're not quite as clean as they could be. <laughs> some people have been updating one field. Some people leave it empty, you know, that sort of thing. So, so as this sort of, tools become available, and I, I really applaud that as a concept, um, you're going to need to do some sanitation of your data. It's going to, and even some retraining of your teams, because everybody needs to be consistently using the fields or the tags or whatever the elements in each client's records say in a consistent manner. Otherwise, trying to then do something with that data becomes very difficult. Um, so even the way you, you know, the names and the first, all sorts of things that you do in the system um, start to have sort of almost like a glossary for your practice. And this is how we do this. And then, I mean, so exciting what you can then do um, once that data is clean and tidy. So I really look forward to seeing that actually as it comes out. That's, um, you know, automation uh, you know, over and above workflow, that sort of automation where you can really have some bulk impact um, and even just get messaging out that's, you know, consistent taking advantage of that data is really, really exciting. What's some, is there anything else that's sort of a, a way into the future wish thing that you'd love to be able to get to at any point? I think the fortune, I mean, we have been doing this for quite a time. So, so we have, there have been a lot of things actually quite recently that we've, we've released that, that have been, you know, key things that we've, We've been getting to where we redesigned our workflow interface where you can build workflows using visual diagrams. Oh, so, so there's been a lot of enhancements that we've made just recently. The two projects I've highlighted there, those are pretty significant upgrades. So there's, there's yep. lots of, uh, there's lots of work there for the team to do. Yeah. Um, so I'm uh, probably not going to put too much more in front of them, really get focused on getting that done. But, but there are, of course, you know, sort of smaller things that where we're constantly Working on, we get a lot of feedback. A lot of the things we develop is driven by um, user user feedback. So we constantly do regular releases to keep our system up to date, and a lot of that is driven by user feedback. Firms have a, a great idea, or well, they have their own wish list. I might have my wish list, but advisors might have their own um, wish list, and then we constantly go through that to make sure that we're making the product uh, as as good as it can be. Which is. So important. And, and I, I guess what I'd say to, um, you know, anybody listening to this out there, start to look at any app or tool you use and what you loved or, or disliked about it. It doesn't have to be financial. It doesn't have to be about money or advice. If you interact with something and you think that would be fabulous to be able to do something similar for clients, then please feed it back to people like Vincent because, um, you know, it, our world is actually quite small, you know, and, and we can only get so many ideas within the world of financial advice. But, you know, out there are all sorts of clever people doing wonderful things, particularly with client experience and user experience. So, you know, open your eyes a little and just take notes of things that you thought were fantastic, that were real wow moments. And I'm sure, um, I'm sure Vincent will add them add them to his list into the future. And if he gets asked enough, he can then prioritize it. So I've just dropped you in it. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Yes, thanks, my mobile. Exactly. Exactly. My sincere apologies. Anything else we've missed that you that you want to mention or cover? Look, Peter, I think I think we've covered it pretty pretty comprehensively. Yeah, um, fair bit. Hopefully that's given your audience a, a good a good understanding of, of what we do and, and our insights on what we're seeing on the ground in practices across Australia. Yeah, perfect. I mean 
All right, Advice Explorers, if you think you'd like to find out more about PlutoSoft, then the website link is in the episode show notes. And Vincent did say to me that you can just register for a demo straight off the website. So, you know, don't be shy of doing that. I'm sure they'd love to um, take a moment to show you what's what and, and sort of really you know, give you a good sense of how the system works. Um, and we'll also share uh, Vincent's LinkedIn details. So feel free to then uh, nudge him with any of the things that you'd love to do in the future. And he can curse me in the future about uh, all the things that I've got you to suggest. Um, thank you so much for joining us, Vincent, on the show. I'm really sort of looking forward to, you know, witnessing the next stage of your adventure into software development because, I mean, it's already been a pretty big adventure, so I can't wait to see where it goes in the future. Excellent, Peter. Thanks so much for having me. So another story of somebody, you know, an advisor or a practice starting up their own system. Um, We've got a bit of a theme in the last couple of episodes. So I'd love to know, you know, are you a current user of PlutoSoft? You know, do you agree or maybe disagree with our discussion, you know, on the tool? Um, please share your insights on the XY community platform as, you know, I'd love to hear your take. And I'm sure, you know, your fellow advisors in the community would love any tips you have or suggestions or great insights, even things you loved uh, or love about the system. And, you know, in terms of sort of my thoughts or suggestions, what I would say is when you are considering moving from a core financial planning system you have now and then looking at others out there. Um, Often, you know, we come across something that really covers a huge number of functions. And what I want you to be aware of when you do that is be very, very wary of scope creep. Now, generally, if, you know, we're looking at other tools it's because there's a particular function we believe we need filled, right? That's generally the trigger is, okay, we're using this thing now, but there's something we need our core system to do and we currently don't have that. Um, maybe it's a particular process to get more efficient or maybe it's a client experience, you know, that you want to enhance. All of this is great, right? This is exactly what we should be doing as we adjust and improve um, our offer over time. However, as we sort of start looking around at the alternatives out there, right, the alternative software solutions out there, then we can find all sorts of other things that they do, right? Super cool things, exciting things that we sort of latch onto, right? And suddenly the specific improvement we wanted to make has expanded into a complete business changing, life altering, transcendent decision. That is called scope creep. (laughs) And the danger is that by getting distracted by all the other bells and whistles, we actually don't solve the problem that initially brought us to this point. So, you know, my suggestion to combat scope creep, then just before you really start looking hard, just get the team together and brainstorm those, you know, your biggest bugbears with the system you are considering considering moving from, right? Whatever you're using now, and it could be a combination of systems, but what are those bugbears? What really gets in the way? What are the, right, that drive everybody nuts? I call those pirate problems, right? The frustration. List all of your bugbears, pirate problems down and even prioritize them as a team. And then, you know, take an opportunity perhaps to add to the list with nice to haves, but they're clearly nice to haves, not things that, gee, we need to fix these problems. 
and make that the scope against which you measure every system you take a look at, right? So you don't get distracted distracted too much by the nice-to-haves without knowing that you get the bugbears fixed. And in fact, if you really want to make this work, anybody looking within the team who's looking at alternative uh, systems has to report back to the team as a group on how each alternative stacks up. This actually can keep you really honest um, because they'll call you out if you get a bit distracted by the shiny thing. So scope, narrowing it down, really working out what you want and con- consistently measuring things back against that will save you from, to be honest, the mistakes I've made in the past where I got distracted by something that was fabulous but didn't solve the problem I needed to solve. Something else to keep in mind with the type of tool, you know, implementing something like PlutoSoft is that whenever you do shift to a a system like this, then invariably you're going to have to template your documents up in the new system. So that'll be whether it's uh, statements of advice or any other advice, documentation, letters, all sorts of things, right? Any, Any documents you're going to need to get templated up in the new system. I'd suggest you therefore take advantage of the fact that you're going to do this and take a bit of a moment to really rethink the language, the style, even the layout of all of your client-related materials. You know, be bold, get a bit creative, maybe even consider getting a copywriter to help with the language, right? Yes, it needs to be technically correct, it needs to be compliant, but it also needs to resonate with the client. So take the opportunity of the templating process you're going to go through to lift the quality of the comms generated by the system. Now, for those of you that have listened before, then as we've discussed, there's only really one skill you are going to need to become bionic advisors, to become the best of both human and technology. And that's simply avid curiosity. And to help you build that habit, today's Curiosity Corner app that really caught my eye, particularly given what we've just been talking about, is called Pathspace. You can find it at pathspace.com. And this is actually an online collaborative brainstorming tool that's supercharged by AI. Now, the tool offers a step-by-step process to generate ideas as a group, then categorize them and group them together, then vote on the ideas anonymously and ultimately make a decision as a team of which ideas you might proceed with. And to be honest, this type of tool, Pathspace, could be a perfect tool to come up with the scope um, of what you're looking for if you're considering you know, going out and replacing your core current financial advice system. Um, I think it'd be fabulous for working out that R list and the nice-to-haves. Uh, so I'd encourage you to check it out. You know, We have so much to learn from these tools outside of the financial advice industry. And I honestly can't wait to see what, you know, the combo of creativity and some innovation does to the evolution of financial advice and ultimately, you know, really impacts the breadth of who we can help and and make the lives better of. Well, that's uh, that's all we've got for this week. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you'll get your advice tech fix automatically sent to you each Friday. 
And if you'd like a speaker at your next event to brief your audience on how they too can become bionic advisors, then please don't hesitate to reach out to me on LinkedIn forward slash Peter MD. That's P-E-I-T-A-M-D. Otherwise, I'll look forward to turning up in your earbuds next week. And remember, advice explorers, stay curious. (laughs) Oh, my God.